Hi everyone, it's great to be with you today and to spend this time with you. And yeah, we're going to be kicking off a new series. Before we get into it, let me share with you a picture that a friend of mine, an old friend from my primary school, he tagged me in on Facebook a little while ago. And here we are, this is me as an eight or nine year old boy, I think, in my favourite t-shirt, my Manchester United shirt. And back then I used to wear this pretty much every day after school and outside of school and I loved Man United. I even had David Beckham's name on the back. So you have to forgive me for my childish ways. I've obviously grown up since then and now obviously Swansea City is the only team worthy of my support. But back then I was a massive Man United fan and I loved playing football and wearing this t-shirt imagining that I was playing with David Beckham or whatever. But anyway, one day I remember it was on a Sunday and it was, uh, I was playing outside our church building before one of the meetings. And one of the adults, as they were walking inside, they saw me kicking the ball around. And they said something like, oh, uh, keep practicing because they'll be calling you up next. And in my like eight-year-old's imagination, this just sparked something. And I began to imagine that, yes, you know, maybe one day on Friday tea time, you know, I might be in the house having tea with the family and suddenly the phone would ring and maybe Sir Alex Ferguson would be on the other end of the line and he would be saying to my dad, look, we've had a few injuries, you know, Beckham's injured, Giggs has got a cold and we're going to need Matthew to come up to Manchester, he's going to need to play for us tomorrow. And in my mind, this was like the dream scenario. Well, needless to say, that uh, never actually materialised. But here's the thing for us this morning that I want to talk about, which is this. That for us, when we follow Jesus, every single one of us is invited to play. Every single one of us has a part and everyone is called to join in with Jesus' mission in the world where he wants to bring his goodness and the love of God into this world right now. Just like Jesus said in John 14, he said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And a major part of Jesus' plan and mission whilst he was on this earth was to pass on his ministry to his followers and to multiply it so that his church, through every generation, right down to you and to me, would continue to do the things that Jesus did and to bring his goodness and his love and his life and the goodness of his kingdom into the world right now where we are. Just like we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to usher these things in into our present whilst we wait for Jesus to return and bring them back fully. And so today we're going to be starting a new series called Journey to the Cross. And this is inspired by a pivotal moment in Jesus' life that Luke records. And Luke records firstly Jesus' birth. And we've been looking at that in our Christmas series. And then the next section of Luke's gospel is mostly Jesus' ministry around Galilee and the Sea of Galilee, where we see that he called followers and disciples to follow him. And as well as the 12 disciples, there was much more than that. And we see there was men and women who followed Jesus and traveled with him whilst he went around healing the sick and teaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God to the people and doing amazing things. And now at this moment, there's a shift. And it's like a new chapter begins uh, after this Jesus was moving around Galilee. And this is what it says in Luke 9, verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
So we see in this moment how Jesus fixes his eyes on what's ahead and so begins what is known as Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And as we know, it's at Jerusalem sometime later where Jesus would give his life for us on the cross. And that's because, you know, as people, we were made for relationship with one another and for relationship with God. And that's one of the reasons lockdown's been so hard, isn't it? Because we miss seeing each other, because we're made for relationship. And in the same way, we were made for relationship with God. But the Bible tells us that humanity rejected God, turned away from God, tried to live independently from him, thinking, you know, that they knew better, if you like. And when people rejected God, it, it led to a separation in our relationship with God. And when we were separated from God, who's the author of life, then death entered the world. But God, just like we long to see one another again and get over lockdown, not just so we can go to restaurants, but so we could see each other. You know, God, he longs to get over that separation and to be a part of our lives because he loves us. And that's why he came into the world himself as a man, Jesus Christ. And God came into the world as a human being so that we could see what God is like, so that we could see he was close. And ultimately God did that so he could live a perfect life as a man and die on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for anything he'd done wrong, but he died for people's rejection of God, people's sin, and the things that we have done wrong. Because Jesus hadn't done anything wrong himself, he was raised to life again, and he defeated death. He didn't stay dead, but he came back to life again three days later. And that means for each one of us, if we put our trust and our hope in Jesus, if we ask him to forgive us for the things that we've done wrong, and if we choose to follow him, then our relationship with God is restored. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, who is God and lives within us right now. And we have the promise of eternal life with God forever. And it's a relationship with God we can walk into and step into right now as we accept Jesus and what he's done for us. And what's amazing about Jesus is, you know, we see here in this verse that Jesus knew all the way down the line what was ahead for him. But because he loves us so much, he resolutely set out on that mission to Jerusalem so he could rescue us and save us, despite the cost to himself that he would give his life for us on the cross. And at the same time here, we see something else as well. Let me read that verse to you again. It says, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And here we see another key part of Jesus' thinking and one that sometimes we miss. This part here where it says, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven. Now Jesus knew that after his resurrection, he was going to return to heaven. And so for Jesus, a major part of his plan for his time whilst he was on earth was to train and equip his followers to do the same things that he was doing after he went to heaven. So Jesus knew he was going to go to heaven and send us the Holy Spirit. And so he wanted his church, his followers, you and me, to continue the things that he had been doing, to continue his mission on the earth, because we are Christ's body. That's what the Bible, how the Bible describes the church, so that we could bring God's love and goodness to the world, share about his rescue, multiplying it and equipping new followers of Jesus to do the same. So it's interesting here, this little section, of G called Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, which we, is about 10 chapters of Luke, the major thing that it looks at, it doesn't really talk about the journey and the geography, and it's not like a travel guide, 
but it's all about what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And you know, for us, when we read the Gospels, when we read them through, it's not just like information. So we know the type of things that Jesus did and the type of person he was. And we really think, oh, that's interesting. Jesus did this. Jesus was like that. It's so much more than that. It's actually written almost like a training manual or as a guide. So we see it. And just like the first disciples were trained by Jesus, so that we read it and we get trained as well. And we see, well, that's what Jesus did. And that's what the disciples did. And that's what I'm called to do too. So how then did Jesus train his followers? What did it look like? Well, we see right from the start that Jesus, he didn't just go about like preaching and healing and doing amazing things, but actually he began to recruit and equip and train followers straight away. So you remember the famous verse when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, two of the first disciples, and he says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say to them, you know, come follow me and have a watch and you'll really enjoy. But he said, no, come follow me because I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to make you into something. And that's what we we're called to too. And Jesus, he was like a classic teacher. I don't know if you can remember your favorite teacher from school or, your, you know, the best one that you had. Well, Jesus, he was a brilliant teacher. And the first thing that we see he did was that he modeled it for his disciples. You know, he taught and he healed and he did amazing things and they watched and were amazed. But then as the time went on, Jesus started to get them involved and they helped Jesus do these things. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, for example, he turned to his disciples and said, you feed them. And then as we know, you know, they brought fish and some bread and Jesus blessed it. But he gave it to his disciples and they were the ones to distribute it amongst the crowd. It multiplied in their hands and they were a part of that miracle. And then after doing it with them and doing things together, we see how Jesus sent out his disciples to do the same things that he was doing, but he sent them out on their own. And in Luke 9, this is what it says. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And Jesus here, he empowered his followers to go and do what he had just been doing. He sent them out with authority in his name, just like ambassadors, in the same way that he sends us out in his name. And I remember the first time that I prayed for someone to be healed. I was 15 years old and a few of us from the church had gone to Romania and we were helping out with the church there for a couple of weeks. And uh, towards the end of the trip, we were in uh, one day we were in this big kind of school hall and we'd been praying for people. And Suzanne and myself had teamed up and we were praying for people. And this one lady came and asked if we'd pray for her. And she was a school teacher in her 20s. And uh, she asked if we'd pray for her eyesight. And she needed glasses, but I think it was a little more severe than that as well. And so we said, yeah, sure, we'll pray for you. And she said, well, what, what? And we asked her, well, what can you see? And uh, she looked around the room and basically at the end of the hall, there was this big clock. Um, like the one on my wall here, a bit bigger than that. And we asked her, well, you know, can you tell the time? Can you make it out? And she said, no, I can't. So we said, okay, let's pray for you. And so we prayed and we said, in the name of Jesus, we command these eyes to be healed and this eyesight to be healed. Amen, something like that. And we said, open your eyes, how is it now? And she opened her eyes, she looked around the room and she looked up at the wall and at the clock. And then she began to jump up and down. She was putting her hands in the air. She was like, woohoo, woohooing like that. Me and Suzanne were a bit taken aback, like, what, where's that come from? 
And she said, I can see, I can see the clock. And she could see the clock and she could make out the time. And she was amazed. I was absolutely shocked. And I remember just coming back from that trip thinking, wow, I, I can't believe it that you know, Jesus would use me and that I could pray for someone they would be healed. But you know what? Jesus can use any one of us who follow him. That's what he intended all along when he said anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have been doing. And next we begin to see that Jesus, he starts to ramp up the training as he heads on this journey to Jerusalem. One of the very first things that he does is he calls another 72 and he sends them out in the same way. So we read this in Luke. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. Go, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Now this is really interesting. Why does Luke record the sending of the 72? And it's almost exactly the same as the 12 that he's just sent. Why does he, you know, put it in twice? Well, clearly he's showing how Jesus was multiplying those who would do what he had done. And it's like he's intensifying it as well. He's thinking, you know, I'm heading to Jerusalem now, I gotta get a move on. And so he sends out even more. And here we see Jesus' plan all along, that his followers would learn to do what he was doing and that they would pass it on and that they would pass it on right down to us today, that we can go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we might be tempted to think, well, you know, we know the 12 disciples and even the 72 here, maybe they were some kind of like elite group you know, they'd been with Jesus, they'd seen it firsthand, and we might count ourselves out. But what did Jesus tell the 72 to pray before he sent them out? He said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord to send more workers. So Jesus is saying to the 72, ask the Lord for even more. The 72 is just a start. And then where are these new workers going to come from? They're the very people that Jesus' followers are going to reach. They're the harvest that in turn become the workers and so on. It's just like the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, where Matthew records the last thing Jesus says before going to heaven. And Jesus said this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here we see that Jesus, he wants believers to be taught everything that his very first disciples were taught. Everything. And what does that include? Well, we've just seen Jesus telling them to go out, to heal the sick, to tell them the kingdom of God is at hand and do the same things that Jesus was doing. So let's be encouraged that when we read what Jesus was doing and what his followers were doing, that we're invited and we're called to do the same things today. So what are some of those things? Well, number one, we've mentioned it a couple of times already, is praying for the sick, praying for people to be healed. It says here, Jesus sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And over the years as a church, you know, we've seen many people healed as we pray and we've got loads of great stories. But you know, even during lockdown, we've been praying for people and we've seen people healed. In the last few weeks, we've been doing the Kingdom Intensive uh, with Bruce. 
which is uh, a course that explores how we can grow in the things that Jesus did and, and, and learn this more. And as we've been going through the sessions, we've been praying for people and we've had loads of people say that they've been healed and emailing in their testimonies afterwards as well. Things like back pain and gum problems, infections and UTI infections. We've had loads of people saying, well, I've been healed. And even in our own small groups, when people have been praying for people. I know in one of the student small groups, uh, one of the girls back in the first lockdown, I think, she had shingles and uh, she was trying to study for her exams. And Chloe and some of the others, they prayed for her over um, Zoom uh, during small group. And they, Chloe tells me that she remembers, you know, looking at the girls, she looked in the mirror and she turned back at the camera, shocked, because the shingles, the rash that she had from the shingles disappeared when they prayed and she was completely healed. And so this is the same, we can do this for our friends or our family or people that we know over the phone or over Zoom when they tell us, you know, that they're not feeling well or they, you know, that they're ill or something, we can offer to pray. And even when we're out and about as well, I know obviously, you know, everything's closed, but you know, the supermarkets are open or the chip shop. I remember praying for a lady in the chip shop once and because uh, she'd injured her, her wrist and she was there all like kind of all strapped up serving me chips. Or I remember a couple of years back, Jess and Helen prayed for a lady in the carpet shop um, that they were buying a carpet off and she had told them how she'd had earache and uh, for weeks and weeks and was struggling with uh, pain in her ears. And so they prayed for her in the shop and she got healed straight away. So I don't think carpet shops are open. I don't know, they might be. But we can do these things, you know, when we're out and about and we see people, obviously keeping two meters and all that. But let's be ready to offer prayer because God loves to heal. And then a second thing that we can uh, grow in and that we can do, that the disciples did, is we can hear God's voice. We can hear God's voice to encourage others about how he loves them and cares for them. Think of all the times that Jesus did this when the Holy Spirit would reveal to him uh, information about people and their lives so he could show them that God knows them and God cares. So for example, the, you know, the woman at the well, when Jesus met with her and Jesus shared how she'd had trouble in her relationships. And um, wow, for this woman, when she heard that Jesus you know, knew this, well, she was amazed and she believed who Jesus was. And the whole town, loads of people in that town ended up believing Jesus because of her testimony. One of my favourites is Zacchaeus. You know, Jesus hadn't met Zacchaeus before, but he goes into Jericho. And what happens when he spots Zacchaeus up the tree? Jesus called him by name. Jesus knew what his name was. And in the same way, we can hear from God. And in the Bible, it calls it a word of knowledge, where God gives us some information or insight about someone that we wouldn't otherwise know, but so that we can encourage them and so that they would know that God knows them and that he cares for them. And uh, Bruce, who's been leading our Kingdom Intensive, I've seen him do this loads of times uh, when I've been able to travel with him. And he's, we've been on aeroplanes together and he's been chatting to the person next to him and God's given him a word of knowledge to speak into their lives or to encourage them. I remember one time we were next to this businessman and they were both talking about businesses because Bruce used to um, work for like big business back uh, in the day when he was a young man and uh, they were chatting about stuff. And then uh, he turned to him and he said, oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and, you know, I believe that God sometimes speaks to us and shows us things to encourage us and to let him know that he cares. And I believe that God has just shown me something for you. Could I share it with you? And the man said, oh, yeah, sure. And Bruce shared with him how he could see the man was worried about some things going on in his family and that God cared about that. And then Bruce prayed for him 
And it's like, wow, it was amazing to see. The guy was really shocked. I remember this happened to me once. I was in the back of a taxi and I felt God speak to me and give me something for the taxi driver. And I can't even remember what it was now. I remember sharing it with him and praying for him and him being blown away by it. And these are often, these are like kind of ordinary things. There's nothing spectacular. It's just, you know, little details and things. But we know what it's like when we hear from God, how it encourages us, even when it's just such a small thing. This happened to me recently. I got a text from an old friend who I haven't seen for years and years. But he said, you've just been on my mind and I feel like God's um, been asking me to pray for you. And he got in touch just to encourage me. And I was really encouraged and to know that, you know, that God cares. You know, I know God cares, but it reminds me that God cares. And we can do this for our friends, for our family, but even people that we don't really know, people that we bump into. We can ask God to speak to us, to them, to encourage them, which is amazing, isn't it? Okay, and then lastly, very briefly, number three, is we can ask God for words of wisdom. How many times do we see with Jesus that people came up to him, the religious leaders, and they tried to trip him up? They tried to trap him with awkward questions, political questions, things that could get him in trouble, things that could get him arrested. But Jesus, time and time again, when he answered them, he had such wisdom and his answers astounded them. And no doubt in those moments, he would be asking the Holy Spirit, you know, give me wisdom, give me wisdom for this question, give me wisdom for my answer. And we see how Jesus, you know, spent time in prayer in these things. And Jesus, he encouraged his followers that they could do the same when they would face this problem. He said to them this, God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. And so for us too, we might not have politicians trying to trap us with awkward questions, but, you know, in all kind of situations, we need God's wisdom and we can ask for it, you know, especially during lockdown, maybe with family life or work life and different things that we face. We can ask God, God, give me wisdom and have a word of wisdom for a situation that we might not know what to do otherwise. In James 1, it says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And God loves to help us and guide us in everyday situations. And so these are three of many things that we saw Jesus do, which he also taught his followers to do, and which, for, uh, and which are for us as well today. And as you know, there's, you know, there's much more as we explore our New Testament and explore the Bible and look through the Gospels and see the things that Jesus did. But today, let's be encouraged to go back and to look and to realise that we're called as well to join in with the things that Jesus did. So why don't I pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us again with his power that we would know that Jesus is sending us out as his followers to bring his goodness and life and love and power into the world right where we are, even today during lockdown. So let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that you send us out as part of your mission to rescue the world and that we are sent out in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I pray for every single one of us watching here now. And I ask, would you fill us with your power? Fill us with your strength. And as we go out, I pray, would you give us the courage and the boldness to respond to what you want to do, that we would offer to pray for people, that we'd ask you to speak to us to encourage others. When we need it, we would ask you for wisdom. 
as well as all the other things that you want to do through us. So help us with this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I just want to say as well, if you're watching today and you've never said yes to that relationship with Jesus, which I described earlier on in the talk, then I want to encourage you that this is for you and you can say yes today. And if you want to, you could just say a simple prayer with me like this and you could receive Jesus' gift of eternal life for yourself. And you could start on that journey of following Jesus and beginning to do the things that Jesus did. So you could just pray, Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Would you come into my life? Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. Help me to follow you and to discover your purpose for me and to do the things that you did. I thank you that you've given me a place in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Well, it's great to be with you this morning.